Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. Happy Wednesday. Cody Domendo, Ryan Herrera, and good friend, Jared Willis. He's back. They got him out of the classroom to let him come here and That's do the right. show. That's right. Thank God for Thanksgiving break. The kids gave him a break. That's right. Good also, to be here. Also, speaking of Thanksgiving break, I'm hearing now that like they're giving the full week of Thanksgiving off to kids. That, yeah. And they, don't do, yeah. they didn't do that when I was in school. I know I'm 32 and I'm old, but like... <laughs> I'm I'm a little offended it's by just, it now. It's you know kids these days they've got it easy. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. This generation, I, that's right. Back in my day, right. Gen Z, I can't. Argh. Whole week for Thanksgiving, <laughs> man. Uh, we're also joined by our reoccurring guest and friend Greg Huss, uh, prospect guru, prospect guru, out of the vines on Twitter, um, Northside Bound. Go uh, hit up that website. Cubs on, yeah. deck. Cubs on deck. I think I'm hitting everything here, Greg. I, I think you got everything. You, you covered it all there. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, I'm sitting in here for Luke Stuckmeyer, who unfortunately is not here today. Um, I won't go into it too much, but... He's just not here. He's just not here just because things are not he, well with him right he's now. He's just not here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we will, uh, we will move on without him for today, uh, which is... Fine, because at least Jared and Greg are here, and we don't get them very often, so it's still a big day for us. Huge day. Uh, obviously, huge news, um, I guess, in the rumor mill. Mm-hmm. Hot stove. I, what do you call it? It's rumor mill. Okay. Rumor mill. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, like, it's hot yet, but it's no, it, rumor mill. Yeah. I don't even think you could say it's been warm so far. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Luke. Luke warm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the big news, obviously is uh, the Cubs, I guess, reached out to the Blue Jays about Bo Bichette, trading for Joe, for Bo Bichette, um, shortstop for the Blue Jays. And I guess with the idea of him perhaps playing third base for the Cubs next year, um, and it all started, I, I was talking to Ryan and, and uh, Jared about it off camera, but I guess it all started, at least on social media, with, uh, I will credit him because I consider him a decent friend on Cubs Twitter, uh, but Kevin Fiddler from the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast first tweeted something about it, and then Matt Kazi tweeted something about it from Locked on Cubs, and then John Morosi, like, basically confirmed the 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 rumor, I guess, this morning uh, on his Twitter account. So that's a little bit more, if you didn't trust the other two, then those, John Morosi obviously is a very... credible person uh, as we've learned over the years um credit to me for naming all these people i could have just named one person credit to me again uh anyway he's making he's uh, he's making 11 and a half million next year he's got two more years of control um so greg was here originally to talk prospects but also like now i have to ask him greg who are we giving up for bo bichette man i don't know i i think that that it gets tricky because like he's different than acquiring like a Juan Soto where like Soto just has the one year versus Bichette has two years 
under team control. Um, he plays he plays a, a, a better de- well a better defense. He plays infield. It's just a different situation. But I, I imagine the package looks somewhat similar to, for Juan Soto as it does to Bo Bichette. I mean, Bo Bichette has just hit every ever since he came up to the league. So yeah. um, I don't know, man. It's 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 interesting. I don't know. I, I'm still not, not letting my hopes get up. For this, like, with Otani, with Juan Soto, with Boba Shett even, like, I'm not letting my hopes get up. Because, like, even, like, the the Morosi kind of, like, confirmation was more just, like, chiming in to say, hey, like, like this is this is what, like, this is how how would it impact the Cubs going after Otani. It wasn't even, like, necessarily confirming to say, hey, like, there is interest there. I don't know. It's, it's I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to speak myself out of it just so I'm not getting too excited. Yeah, I, I guess I'll ask in a different way. What level of Cubs prospect would you be willing to part with in a trade for Bobashek? Like, if you said it's similar, maybe even a little bit more value than Juan Soto, like where, where, like what, what level of Cubs prospect in the system are you willing to give up? Yeah, so I think that where you start off when you're running down the prospect rankings on on which prospects get included in these trades for big time names. PCA and Cade Horton are the top two prospects in the system. I think you can pretty much write those guys off. Like I, I don't think that's those, those are not guys that are being included in in packages more than likely. And part of that's because there's there's guys down the pecking order in terms of prospect rankings that still bring that value that you could like you could really get a guy back. So like that's the Owen Casey's and the, the Kevin Alcantara's, um, the the Jackson Ferris, Ben Brown, Jefferson Rojas, although. Rojas is, is is a guy that probably brings way more valuable value to the Cubs right now since he's so young than what another team would probably value him at. Um, but I think that the Kevin Alcantara and and Owen Casey, those guys are are kind of one and two in terms of one A one B in terms of what might get included in a package like this. Well, how much would you know you consider the the spot that the Blue Jays are in right now and what they're going to be looking for. Cause they're, they're still looking to be competitive. So this isn't a team that's looking for a bunch of young prospects as a part of a rebuild. So I think we also have to ask the question, you know, who from the major league roster is going to be a part of this trade too. So I know Morel's name was out there with the Juan Soto rumors, but yeah, how much do you look at the major league roster and say we're pulling from there too? Yeah, I know. What, what was the report the other day for for Soto, at least not for Bichette, but for Soto, where it's like a kind of an average, whatever you want to call that, mm-hmm. um, uh, major league player, and then someone ranked in like the top five in the organization, someone ranked in like the ten to fifteen range of the organization. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for someone like that, that that pretty much shouts, and, and I think it's comparable to what we're seeing with with Bo Bichette potentially. Then you got Chris Morrell, Owen Casey, who's a top five guy. And then you can kind of go down down the pecking order a little bit, maybe like a James Triantos, right? Those three guys. Um, I, I again, I don't know if I would pull the trigger, but I'm also a prospect hugger. But I, I think that like <laughs> obviously Bobuchet has value, but that seems right on track with with Juan Soto, and I think it might be on track with with uh, Bobuchet too. What I found interesting about just the rumor in general was for Bichette to play third base. And then I went on Fangraphs, and I, if I did it correctly, uh, I know sometimes I mess that up, but if I did it correctly, it said that he has never played third base at the major league level. Not that I don't think he could do it because he plays shortstop and he's clearly an athlete, but I do wonder how that affects things in terms of, you know, maybe the, the, the trade, because obviously you're not moving Swanson and, and Horner's got second base. None of those guys are going to play third. So obviously if they made the trade, it would be he would play third base. And 
I, I'm just, I'm curious because, and I say this because this whole thing about Morrell, like them not believing Morrell can play third and he's an athlete. And, you know, we've talked about how, you know, there's other things baseball IQ wise on why we feel like maybe the Cubs don't feel like he can play third. Okay. Well, Bo Bichette is a athlete. I've never yeah. seen him play third base. Why do the Cubs feel like Bo Bichette could play third base if this is a serious thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right, because you're obviously you're not reaching out to Toronto if that's that's right. not what you're intending to do. Because as no one needs to be reminded, they've got a shortstop; they're all set there. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a good question because a Gold Glove shortstop for what? It's y- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you for confirming that. <laughs> and as somebody, uh, I've I've lost track of who said it, but somebody in the comments pointed out like they got Nick Madrigal to be a pretty solid third baseman. So. Um, if you believe that Madrigal can go over and learn the position, if you believe that Morrell can go over and learn the position, there's no reason to think that Bo Bichette can't move from shortstop to third base. Um, that to me is such a like a non-issue mm-hmm. yeah. going into something well, like and this. And then I like you bring up Morrell, and that like, like we've we've rehashed the third base thing a lot over the last year and a half since he debuted. But Greg, as someone that obviously saw Morrell coming up paying more attention to the uh, minor league system. <coughs> Excuse me. He played third base the most of any yeah. position when he was in the minor leagues. Did you notice anything about him playing third base in the minors that, like, did you ever think, oh, this guy won't be a third baseman in the big leagues? Did you think he was going to be a third baseman in the big leagues? What did you ever notice if you did anything about him at third base? Because, again, that was his most played position when he was coming up. Yeah, what I noticed in the minor leagues was a lot of what we still see from him now, where like the arm is obviously ridiculous. Like he's a, a, a ridiculous arm at third base, strength wise. But he would just he would he, his throws would go up the line quite a bit. Um, saw that he was a freak athlete. He would make diving plays deep in the hole and still throw the guy out at first base. But then he he'd kind of have a have a easy air on a on a ball right to him. It was a lot of like like oh what could this kid be at third base with with more reps yeah. and then he hasn't gotten more reps so it's like I, the way i've kind of pivoted off of christopher morrell at third base is just like you, you got to trust in what the cubs are doing with them right so like when, when i'm when i'm ranking prospects a lot of times like to go off off topic i'll bring it back i promise but like when i'm ranking prospects i'm like i'm looking at how the cubs organization handles these guys and where that when they call them up and stuff like that last year I had Jonathan Perlaza, who's now a minor league free agent, ranked pretty low. Um, personally, I would have had him way higher in my rankings. But, like, I saw the Cubs were not calling up. Even though he was ranking in Iowa, the Cubs weren't calling him up to Chicago. And, like, that told yeah. me something about the way the Cubs viewed him. And so, like, I think you pivot that to, to Christopher Morrell now. And it's like, yeah, all of us look at Morrell and, like, see a really good athlete, see a really good arm. It makes sense to play him at third base. But why aren't the Cubs doing that? They must exactly. they must not believe in him at third base long term at all or even short term. And so like I think we should trust in that more than what we think we see with Christopher Morrell defensively. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, say just for the scenario to discuss it, if they were to trade for Bichette and they kept Morrell, then I'd be more open to seeing Morrell play first base. I I I feel like like that would make yeah. some sense for me. I could I could get up for that. Because if they trade for Bichette, you have Morrell at first, then I think that signals a big signing coming, and I can get past, if it's not Cody Bellinger, I can get past it, whether it's Otani or Yamamoto, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, 
you but you'd have a very very good defensive infield on top of you know um a more power too coming from the infield too with Bichetti's hit 20 plus homers every season um I think he would be the best hitter in the infield for them and he would provide a major like consistency thing at third base which they've had consistency problems at third base for honestly since they traded Chris yeah. Bryant I, so. I mean and really, they've had a consistency problem at both corner spots <laughs> yeah. since then. Right. Um, and if you can at least get one of those spots kind of locked in and say, okay, we've, we've got this position figured out, then I really think that helps with addressing other areas of need on the roster where you, you, you don't have to worry about this spot anymore. That was so much of what the Dansby Swanson signing was. Yeah. If you get your, your shortstop in place and you know that this is your guy for the next seven years and so that it takes that off the table. Um, but yeah, when you, you don't have a regular third baseman or they haven't had a regular first baseman for two years. So it's, it's time to at least get one of those positions solidified. Yeah. Go ahead. Kurt. I don't want to play Debbie Downer here. I mean, cause I, I think acquiring Bo Bichette would be terrific. I think that his offensive, like what he does offensively is, is awesome. But like, I, the conversation that we had all year last year was that the Cubs don't have a middle of the order, like a, a guy who's going to hit 35 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that's, that's what they're, they're absent of. Um, I know like Cody Bellinger is like, Oh, like mate, like maybe he can with a full healthy year. Like, I, I don't know, but like Bo Bichette doesn't like, he's not going to do that. He'll get you, he'll get you like 20, 25 home runs, whatever it might be. But like, yeah. it, it's really good to have a long lineup and that's important. I think Bichette helps lengthen the lineup and, and gives you stability at third base. If you can play there, all that yeah. good stuff. Um, but like, you still got to go out and get Juan Soto or, or <laughs> yeah. Reese Hoskins. I think Reese Hoskins would make a lot of sense there. If, if you go out and get, get Bichette, play, play him at third. And then you got Reese Hoskins at first, he can pop, go out there and pop your 35 home, home runs potentially. So I, I don't know. It's just, I, I would love this. I would love the acquisition. It would be great. Um, but I, I think we'd still be having the same conversations of who's going to hit all mm-hmm. the home runs. Well, yeah, I, I think that's where we look and it's not like a complete needle mover for the team. Like yeah. it, it addresses a whole but it doesn't address it. And like, like something that me, like me, Corey and Luke talked about last week was that they, like you said, they need the sluggers. They need more power. They need a guy who can get you 35 plus 40 home runs. Some, at least that, right. They need, you know, whether that's Pete Alonzo or whoever that is, they, they, they need that extra power. And cause they don't, cause they had six guys hit 20 home runs this year, which is great, but it wasn't like consistent slug that they were, you know, hitting home runs, uh, they they were able to string together runs really well, but it wasn't like a, uh, a one hit and three runs have scored, one hit and it's you know three run home run whatever it is. Like they didn't have enough of that power slug potential on the lineup. So I agree with what you're saying is that having twenty twenty five home runs from Boba Shed to add to that lineup would be great. But where where is all like the the real game changing power coming from? Consistent game changing power like that would still need to be addressed in my head. Yeah, I uh, that brings me back to Otani then. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know w- what I'm thinking. What if if they were to trade for Bichette, then you basically are saying that Bellinger is off the the table of coming back. In, in my opinion, that he covers what Bellinger gave you. I think Bellinger has potential for more home runs for sure. But as far as a good offensive player with good defense as well. He would he would cover that. So then that leaves the that puts the Cubs in a position of okay, like we've talked about, 
who's the next guy, that 30 plus home run power guy. Right. And so, you know, I, uh, as I've said, since the off season began that Cody Bellinger was number one priority priority for me, I still feel that way. Cause I'm not really buying this whole Bichette thing, but if this were to go through, if this were to actually happen to me, I think that would signal that the Cubs are letting Bellinger walk and they're going to sign yeah. someone else. And so, I think it's, it's or trade for someone else like Juan Soto or Pete Alonso. Right. Cause it, it kind of falls in with some of those other rumors that we've heard about where, you know, this is the Cubs kind of checking in with different teams about possibilities. And cause we don't really, you know, it's one thing to know that they've, they've reached out to Toronto and asked about Bichette, mm-hmm. you know, it could be something as simple as, hey, you know, what what would a deal like this look like from your end? Um, and that's, you know, there's there's probably a lot of that that happens that we don't necessarily hear about. There's a lot of reaching out to teams, you know, that I hate the expression, but the kicking the tires. Um, <laughs> I hate that expression. But <laughs> I think it's... Uh, but it at least shows you that they're, this is what they're looking at as, as possibilities or as options. This is where mm-hmm. potential directions they're looking yeah. to go. Um, and I do like the, uh, yeah, like Ryan said, I like the, you know, we, we know that we need power in this lineup. We need consistent power in this lineup. And it's going to make a difference with everybody else there. So let's find some of those options and, mm-hmm. and see what shakes out and see what develops. Um, right. Because who knows, Toronto's asking price have been super high and they just said okay cool great talk uh good luck with your off season yeah, there you go. we'll be in touch um, yeah we have a super chat in there uh sarah if you want to bring it up uh d coldest jenkins two dollars juan soto slash manny machado or bust and uh, trading for manny machado would be interesting that hasn't been something that's popped up but juan soto obviously <laughs> i mean yeah i'm st- I'm still in on all of all but, these different but, scenarios. Machado's a lot tougher because of his contract. I think Soto's going to be yeah. Uh, either of those two, Juan Soto's going to be a lot easier to stomach for the Cubs, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, knowing knowing how the front office operates, going out and trading for Juan Soto versus Manny Machado would be a lot more st- to, a lot easier to stomach for him. Absolutely. Um, what else? I, I've been reading the chat. I think there's. I think it's mixed reviews. I think some people are all for it, and then some people aren't. So I, again, I I'm. He makes the team better. It, yeah. it, 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 from a long term standpoint, as long as they continue to add after, if they perhaps trade for him, that's the only. That's the best thing I can give you. And I and I would trade Christopher Morrell for him. Uh, as as a as a Christopher Morrell supporter, I I am willing to trade him for Bo Bichette. I'm willing to trade Christopher Morrell for any star slash superstar out there yeah. that's available. There's, and there's, Anything less is a no for me. So there's no reason not to yeah not to be <laughs> behind that idea because yeah we love Christopher Morrell. Um, he's he's established himself as at least a good player with some defensive versatility, but if he can be a part of a trade deal like this, it's like, yeah, who, who wouldn't say, yeah, you, you go for that. I think Mm -hmm. the thing I wonder people's perspective is, you know, talk about Otani and Juan Soto and some of these potential moves. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say that they, they sign Otani, they trade for Soto. Okay. How do you feel about that off season, Greg? (laughs) (laughs) But you go into your 2024 season Still with no third baseman, still with no first baseman. How do we feel? 
Yeah. I, so actually, I, I was I was talking with with uh, Brendan. Um, we we hopped on a, on a live YouTube YouTube the other day, and we were talking about kind of how to approach third base potentially outside of a guy like Bo Bichette. I think that like I think third base is actually a position that makes sense in terms of if you go out and fill other needs. If you go out and get an Otani, if you go out and get Otani and Juan Soto, like there there's there's players in the organization can that can kind of hold it down for now. You don't want to rely on Patrick Wisdom and Nick Madrigal at third base, obviously. But if you go out and sign one or uh, trade for Juan Soto and, and sign Joey Otani, or go out and get Pete Alonso or whatever else, then it's like I, I feel comfortable enough. Like David Ross didn't do an awful job of making Patrick Wisdom and Nick Madrigal work over at third base last year, and I think that Craig Council can do an even better job with that. And I think that if you can just get them. As, as, as working over at third base and, and, and not a big gap in your lineup, then I think you can kind of hold it down until you have a guy like Matt Shaw or somebody come up later in the year, you know? So um, I, I, I'm i not as worried about versus like like first base. It's like, okay, that, that might be a much bigger gap if you're not, not able to get somebody to sign and play that position. Because it, it, we don't know like what is going on with Christopher Morrell being a first baseman. Is Matt Mervis going to be something at first base? I don't know. But like, at least you have competent, like, Major League Baseball players that can man third base, that can stand out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what's going to make everything better if we don't get Boba Shep? Hero Bread? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hero That's Brad. the only thing that will make this better if we don't get yeah. Boba Shep. Uh, Hero Bread. We love Hero Bread. Luke talks about it all the time. I haven't had the opportunity to make m- many recipes with Hero Bread um, but, you know, I'm looking at their website right now. One thing that caught my eye was the game day nachos. A twist on your classic nachos. These are made using toasted hero flour tortillas loaded with toppings and baked to savory perfection. Only 30 minutes of total cook time? Come on. Like, that may, that that seems way too easy. If you're on a Sunday, you want something quick to eat for football, game day nachos from Hero Bread. Um, let me tell you about Hero Bread. If you need a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle or dietary constraints, the founder, Cole Glass, baked 100 muffins per day before he found the perfect blend that fit his allergy constraints. That will push him to start Hero Bread. You may not be counting carbs, but you may be looking to get more fiber or protein in your diet. You could do that with Hero Bread. Think about their taste and the texture. The bread is soft, fluffy, delicious, tasty, flavorful, scrumptious. All those ways you can use to describe uh, Hero Bread. Has high in fiber, uh, ultra low net carbs, and zero grams of sugar per slice. Let me tell you this discount code for the first purchase: CHGO for ten percent off at Hero.co. Uh, Hero makes bre- sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available on Hero.co and Amazon. Has fewer calories than the leading national brand: five to ten grams of protein per serving. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the CHGO fam ten percent off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use our code CHGO to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. And after you get your bread, just just hop in your car and head out to Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake and, and get a new car. Because yeah. it's Black Friday savings time uh, out there. As one of the top-selling Chevy dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest largest. Chevy inventories and all month long you can save big at Ray Chevy during their Black Friday sales event where you can choose from over 100 Silverados in stock the perfect tailgate vehicle but that's not all get zero percent financing with zero dollars down and zero payments until 2024 
And I know everyone loves the word free. Who does it? Exactly right. <laughs> everyone loves the word free. And that's what you'll get this month at Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake. A free oil change. I would go myself, but I got an oil change like two months ago and I don't need to get one. Your next one. But yeah, but my next one, you know what? I wish I would have waited those two months instead of paying the hundred dollars I did for the one that I did get, not at Ray uh, Chevrolet in Fox Lake. <laughs> I, I have lots of regrets here because of that. Uh, so, you know what? We got like a week and a half left of November. Get out there to get your free oil change and maybe look for a new car at the same time. So all you got to do is mention CHGO when you schedule your oil change. It's a Black Friday offer you don't want to miss, but you have to schedule it by November 30th. November 30th, folks. Buy with confidence with the Ray Price promise. It's a guarantee that the price will see that you'll see online is the price you pay when you go into the dealership. In many cases, other dealers will raise the price on you when you come into the dealership saying things like, are you a recent college grad? Are you active in the military? Are you a farmer? And in most cases, the answer will be no. That's And that's when the other dealers will raise the price on you saying the price online included limited, limited rebates that you do not qualify for. Well, at Ray, that is not the case, folks. The price you see online is the price you pay with no add-ons or hidden fees ever. In fact, Ray will do everything possible to find additional savings for you, which may make the price lower than you see online. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com to get your Black Friday savings. They've been serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. That was my best Luke Stuckmeyer my impression. 1963, I, I think I'm doing the math in my head. I, I think that's uh, like 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. Like only 25 been... years old then, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. nothing goes better than Hero Bread and Ray Chevy. So. Exactly. I mean. Make sure you get them both. Get them both. Um, all right. So the second segment I wanted to talk, obviously I wanted to talk more about what prospects Greg is high on and everything. I did want to mention that I read something from Bleacher Nation today about how uh, it was actually from the athletic, but I read it on Bleacher Nation credit to me for crediting everyone here for how I got to this. Uh, but uh, I read in the athletic or it was in the athletic saying that the Cubs are looking or they're more, they're looking to possibly sign relievers on multi-year deals, which they haven't done since they signed Brian Dunsing uh, to a multi-year deal back in like 2017 or 2018. You can count Craig Kimbrell, but he was a mid-season acquisition. So technically, if we're talking about off-season, it was just then. Um, and I, there, I don't really have a ton to say about this, but I did want to kind of lead that into Greg talking about some of these relievers that are coming up on the farm that perhaps maybe if they don't sign enough relievers like they did lat or like they didn't last year, who are some guys that perhaps could come up and make a, make a um, impact this coming year. I, I genuinely don't really know how they're going to play this reliever market. I still feel like in my gut, they're going to sign like they, they signed the guy from Japan uh, that used to play in the majors, I think, or he was a prospect in the majors and then went to Japan. Uh, they just signed him yesterday forgot his name ryan you can tell me um but other than that they've been pretty quiet on this market so mm -hmm. far so uh this is a lot that i just said yes. i guess let's start with um greg what prospects reliever prospects do you think could make make it to the majors next year and yeah it? i think 
there's less depth than in past years in terms of upper levels, um, upper upper level minor league um, relief pitchers. Uh, in past years, there, there were nearly a dozen guys that were kind of like ready to roll. This year, there's fewer. Uh, but I think when we're talking prospects, let's start with two guys that have already made it up to the big leagues. I'm really excited to see Daniel Palencia and Luke Little see how they kind of break out a little bit more next season in the major leagues, right? So they got their taste. This past year, obviously, Palencia got more of a taste than what Luke Little did. But those are two, those are two like, like, fire, like fireballing arms, right? They're, those are two guys that, that hit high 90s with the fastball, two guys that have good sliders. Um, I'm really excited to see what they can do next year. Um, and once they feel a little bit more comfortable at that level. Um, and then besides those guys, we saw a couple of relievers that could potentially help in Chicago next year that were just added to the 40-man roster. We got Porter Hodge added, and then we also got um, we also got Bailey Horn added, in addition to, to Michael Arias. But with Horn and with Hodge, those are both guys that we, we already saw Horn up in AAA as a reliever. He's a lefty. The Cubs don't have – I mean, we saw the entire year last year, almost the entire year, they worked with Mark Leiter Jr. as their, yeah. like, lefty guy in the bullpen. Um, so I think that was honestly part of the reason why the Cubs protected Bailey Horn was because – Lefty relievers are hard to come by in general. Lefty relievers, there aren't a ton of them in the Cubs organization right now. So you kind of take advantage of having him in your organization, add him to the 40-man roster. We might see him. His Bailey Horn's problem last year, he started off just outrageously hot in double-A last year, like ridiculously hot. Then he came up to triple-A, struggled a little bit more, but I think that with, with Horn, it's just like finding that consistency. So we might see him really got, get it figured out in triple-A this year get a call up to the majors at some point. Um, and, and then Porter Hodge is another guy that I think that the stuff is tremendous. There was an article written at Baseball America uh, a couple of weeks ago, like detailing his stuff. Um, and they kept talking about this, this cutter that he has. It's a kind of a unicorn cutter. And really all that is, it's a fastball. Like you ask Porter Hodge and he's not throwing a cutter. He's throwing a fastball that has that much cut on it. It's like the, the Justin Steele mold of fastball where like it just has a ridiculous amount of cut. So uh, the cutters, the, the cut, the cut fastball is really good. The slider is terrific from Porter Hodge. The results weren't great, um, but it's one of those things where like with relievers, if they can get it figured out a little bit, um, you're looking at stuff way more than results in the minor leagues for relievers. That, that's not, that's what you're doing for prospects. That's what you're doing for MLB signings. That's what you're doing for reclamation projects, for waivers, for all of that good stuff. Like you're looking at the stuff and Porter Hodge has the stuff. So, I'm excited to see what he does next year. Well, he follows me on Twitter, so I hope he does well. <laughs> well there, yeah. Yeah. If Porter Hodge does well, then I can be uh, like, yeah, I, I was well, friends with him first. You know, he's doing <laughs> at least one thing right. So Yeah, that yeah. too. That too. Go ahead. Um, well, you mentioned like Luke Little, and he's someone that he's another guy that blew up pretty quickly, especially when they mm-hmm. moved him into the uh, to the bullpen. What did you see from him moving up the system? Um, that kind of lends itself best to being a reliable lefty reliever for the Cubs. Because as we saw, when he came up, he just never really got the opportunity, which however you feel about it, whatever, like David Ross just in that situation didn't have the trust in him to put him in as many high-leverage situations as they had in September because it was like it felt every inning of every game was that. Um, So he he hadn't earned that trust. Um, Obviously, the hope is that he could do that pretty quickly with Craig Council next season. But what did you see from him that lends itself to like, he can be that lefty reliever the Cubs need in the bullpen? Well, lefty hitters can't touch him. I think that's, that's the big thing. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, 
you don't need to be a professional scout to watch him pitch and think that lefties have no chance because I mean, he's six foot eight. He's coming at a wonky arm angle in addition to being that tall, right? So he's, he's coming from behind the left-handed hitters. He's throwing the, the 97 ish mile an hour fastball to go along with a, with a wipeout slider. Really. It's just command. We've got to see command from him. Um, I think that, that, that righties obviously hit him better than lefties do but it's not like they were making ridiculous contact against them. It's really just like making sure that the command, and that was his problem in the rotation, Luke Little, when he was in the lower levels of the minors, was like the, the command came back and hurt him, so his, his pitch count would get rung up uh, higher than what he needed it to be, and the fastball velo was down. It just didn't work, right? But converting him to relief, you can live with a few walks here and there. Like, that's mm. that's that's fine, especially when you're generating the strikeouts that Luke Little does. So. To me, Luke Little, like I, I have, I have Luke Little, or I had Luke Little ranked above Daniel Palencia on my prospect rankings for the past couple of years, um, and I think that's mostly because the the floor seems higher with Luke Little, and the, the I think the ceiling's pretty high as a reliever, obviously, um, but it's one of those things where he's he's throwing the foul and, and he gets gets a lot of ground balls too. In addition to the the strikeouts he racks up, he gets an awful lot of ground balls. He was either first or second in the system last year and the previous year in terms of ground ball rates. Um, so that's fun to see. I, I, I'm really excited about Luke Little this year. I, I think that we still have some growing pains to see from him, obviously. He started last year in the rotation. Like he, he's, he still doesn't have a full year under his belt as a reliever. And that's the human element comes into play a little bit there, right? We're like, it, it's, it's not easy starting your entire life. And all of a sudden now you're like, you're, you're up and down. Um, you're throwing multi, you're throwing single innings, you're throwing multi innings, which he was doing a little bit too. It's like, it's, it's, it's weird. So we got to give him a little bit of, of slack in terms of getting comfortable in that role, but I'm really excited for Luke Little, um, as, as a reliever in Chicago. I got a, or I guess this just popped in my head, but like, is, is what's the particular reason that they moved Little from a starter to a reliever? I mean, starter was I mean, he, he was starting games. He was he was the first pitcher in games, but he he, mm. he wasn't really going more than three or four innings at a time. So okay. I think that like this role as a reliever was always like that was that was he was destined for that role regardless. Um, I think that that using him as a, I don't know this for sure. I haven't talked to anybody that has said this, but my guess is using him as a, as a starting pitcher technically um, when he, at the years following his draft year. It was to just get him more experience, like throw as many innings as you can and get more comfortable. Because remember when Luke Little was drafted, like he was the guy who was caught on the gun throwing what 105 or whatever on what was probably a hot gun in inside. Um, but he was a guy that was at a JUCO walking everybody and their mother. And like it was it was like the definition of like a project. And the project has worked out. This. Even if he's he is like exactly like he doesn't go and do anything more than what he's done already. That's still pretty impressive what the Cubs development team has done with a guy like Luke Little, who is so raw. Um, but now that you have him here, you got to keep pushing. You got to keep keep developing more and get him more and more comfortable. For sure. Well, uh, you know, kind of like I was mentioned about, you know, the Cubs being more open to signing multi-year relievers, you know, guys out like I've seen in the chat, uh, Matsui from uh, Japan, Jordan Hicks is out there. Robert Stevenson, Nick Martinez, uh, Brent Suter, Craig Council's old friend, um, and obviously Josh Hader. I think that for me, as far as a reliever market or just what I want the Cubs to do is like, I want them to incorporate Luke Little more. Obviously, I feel like that's what they're going to try to do next year. Same thing with Daniel Palencia because we've seen 
the the highs and lows with with him. Uh, but I also feel like they need to get some some veterans in there to go with yeah. what they have, yeah. and which so they always do. Which yeah, and which they will. And I I just find it very interesting that you know that the athletic mentioned this because they really haven't signed any relievers to multi-year deals. And I'm not saying like a five-year deal. I think Josh Hader is going to want like at least four years on his contract. And for me, like I'm completely out on Josh Hader. If they, if the Cubs sign Josh Hader, I will be irrationally angry because that's giving away, that's throwing away money for someone that is going to be for your ninth inning when you could be using that money to sign Shohei Otani or something like that. All right. <laughs> Uh, someone who can affect every single game, all right, oh, as a hitter or as a <laughs> as a pitcher, right? Um, but I, the, I, I wasn't. I, wasn't I know you weren't laughing at me. I, I, I coughed. I coughed. Well, especially okay. since the, <laughs> this past season may have shown us that they have their ninth inning guy. Mm-hmm. And well, so what I was a, getting at yeah. is they need to sure up like the sixth, seventh, and eighth yeah. inning roles, right? Yeah. Like you have Julian Merriweather, you have Abel Alzale, and I, you know, I think. We need to see more from Alzale as a closer for a whole season to fully believe that he can be that guy. I said last season that I think Palencia can be the closer of the future for this team, but obviously needs experience, needs, you know, needs to go through those growing pains that that Greg mentioned. But for right now, I'm fine with Alzale going into next season as the closer. They just like if you take guys like Palencia and Little and then, you know, sign one or two veterans one of those veterans being on a multi-year deal. Like, I think that's huge for this bullpen going into next season. And we see how it plays out. They're so, it's so vital in yeah. the bullpen. Like Luke always says that, like, you just never know what you're going to get. Like, I hope Merriweather doesn't completely blow up next year after a year that he had, but like, you just never know. Like there's no sure thing with any of these bullpen guys. And one thing, and it might be a little different with a new manager, but one of the things we've seen with the Cubs over the last few years is they are very comfortable with, starting off with one guy in in this role and then moving him to a different role and establishing somebody else. Um, The the last time that they've had a, it's been years since they've had like their closer. Mm -hmm. Nobody has really owned that role in quite some time, but that's, you know, that's not necessarily been a bad thing. So yeah, I think there's, I'm, I'm with you. I'm very much a proponent of go into 2024 with Alzali as your, your closer. Um, Because I think he showed that he at least deserves to, to, you know, claim that spot, so to speak. But, but yeah, at the same time, if they do go sign someone like Josh Hader or or one of these other guys, we know that as an organization, they are comfortable with, we'll move people around and, and make things work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I go and name drop a few other prospect relievers while while I'm here? Yeah. I think that, that yeah. I, I won't go into detail of these guys, but I think that, that Zach Lee is someone that we haven't seen as, as very healthy the past couple of years, but I've often had him ranked as one of my better relief, uh, relief prospects in the organization. Frankie Scalzo is one of my favorite players in the entire organization. Not necessarily like top ranked, but like mm-hmm. the vibes are immaculate with Frankie Scalzo Jr. Um, and so I, I want to name drop him. He'll be in, in uh, probably starting the year in double A Tennessee next year. Um, Adam Lasky had a really strong showing in the Arizona Fall League. He's older for a prospect, but he's also been another guy that's been not quite as healthy. Um, and then Giovanni Cabrera is a guy that is probably going to start next year in uh, South Bend. But sometimes with, with, with relievers, when I'm kind of evaluating those guys, it's just a matter of, like, who, who looks the most dominating, right? Not necessarily, yeah. necessarily even looking at the stats, because relievers, 
one bad outing can kind of ruin their stats. So it's like it's a lot of like eye test with, with relievers yeah. for me. And Giovanni Cabrera passes the eye test. So I don't think that we'll necessarily see him in Chicago next year. But I think he's a little further off. But all the other guys, I think um, by the time 2024 is over, we could get a look at. Yeah. Nice. Um, kind of sticking with the relievers, but moving it a little bit more towards the Rule 5 draft is in two weeks, I think, from today, something like that. Um, and obviously the Cubs, you mentioned Bailey Horn, Porter Hodge, Michael Arias, um, but also like Luis Vasquez was added to the 40 man, uh, a couple, a few weeks prior to the, to the deadline to mm-hmm. the non, no, was it not the, the deadline to protect guys to, from the rule five draft. So they added four prospects, uh, selected their contracts and protected them. Uh, I'm just curious, those four guys in your mind, what, why did they deserve to be protected from the Rule 5 draft? What was it about them that the Cubs needed to make sure they remained in the system? Yeah, so honestly, it's this year it was way easier to kind of sit down and say, like, this is the reason why they were added. Um, I kind of went over Hodge and Horn earlier. With Horn, it's he is a, uh, he is a good lefty reliever. Is mm-hmm. it going to be great? I don't know, um, but those are hard to come by. That's why he was added. Um, he'll, he could impact Chicago this year for sure. Porter Hodge is the stuff. If he wouldn't have been added, then he would have been poached, in my opinion. He would have been poached in the Rule 5 draft. I think that that especially uh, a team like the Red Sox with Craig Breslow in town now, I think yeah. Craig Breslow would have loved to get Porter Hodge in his organization um, and on the Major League team. So that's why he was added. Uh, Michael Arias is uh, – he has the highest upside of anybody that was added. Um, he yeah. would be tough to be selected in the Rule 5 draft and kept on a roster all year long because he's – he is not ready for the major leagues. He, mm-hmm. he struggled last year in high A ball. Um, but the stuff is good. Like, he, he's got the fastball running up in the high 90s. The uh, the changeup is one of the best changeups in the organization. In an organization full of great changeups, Michael Arias has one of the best. Um, I think the upside is really strong with there. But it's like he's more of like a boomer bust type prospect, I think Arias is. Okay. Um, and at least Luis Vasquez, he just. He, he is he is the by far the best defensive infielder in the Cubs minor league system. Um, I think that if you get the chance in spring training to go just sit there and watch Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, and Luis Vasquez field ground balls, mm. it'll it'll be it'd be the greatest greatest time of your life. It, it's it's just incredible. Um, <laughs> Brendan Brendan is thinking about it right now. <laughs> he, he's dreaming about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that I mean that's. His glove has always been terrific. And for the past five years, we've been waiting on Luis Vasquez to just hit just enough, just enough like that that glove matters. Um, and not only last year did he do that, but like he was a pretty damn good hitter in general, right? He, yeah. he hit 20 home runs, which he had never come close to doing in his entire career. Um, he looked pretty competent at the plate all the way up to, to AAA Iowa. So I don't like, I don't project Luis Vasquez. I, I know that a lot of people are shouting for Luis Vasquez. How about him at third base in Chicago? And like, yeah, he can handle these. He is a tremendous defensive shortstop. So like he can handle third base for sure. Yeah. Uh, the problem is he won't hit enough to make Luis Vasquez a third baseman make sense. Like he's not going to be every day at third base. Would it, um, would it be much of an upgrade from like Nick Madrigal as far as like he was a solid defensive third baseman, but the bat did, did the bat offset? Like how much of a an upgrade would that be at like a, a good scenario? I think next year, I think the bat would be worse than Madrigal. The glove would be better than Madrigal. I think that's what it, what it comes out to. Um, okay. I, I just it, it's it's tough to to predict what Vasquez will do in the major leagues as far as hitting goes, because like, like I said, this year was the, like the first year that he had mm-hmm. done anything notable with the bats. So like 
how much are you buying into that is that is the new Luis Vasquez? It might be like it could be, but like I can't, I can't look at what he what he did and say like oh that that seems like he's gonna hit twenty home runs a year now. Like it, that doesn't just happen, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I uh, I love his glove, and I think that he was added to the forty man roster because like he so he would have he would have ended up being a minor league free agent um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other guys who would have hit the Rule Five draft. And Vasquez would have get, gotten a major league deal somewhere. Like he he would have sure. he would have signed with either a crappy team and maybe gotten a starting role, like a, like the A's or something like that at shortstop, or he would like a, a good team would have signed him to a major league contract, had options on him, sent him to AAA with a good shot of being a backup infielder in the major leagues. And I think that's what the, how the Cubs have him now. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well, he's feeling ground balls this spring training. Hopefully the flooring is also good around the Sloan Park. Am I right, Ryan? Yeah, and if you need to upgrade him, you should hit up Empire. Might, might want to tell Luis Vasquez that just in case. Um, with Empire today, you get shop-at-home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low-price guarantee. Empire today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats, but Empire can't be beaten on quality service, speed, so competitors advertise low-quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs. They keep shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. They got the virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing yesterday. Uh, Flooring is all Empire today does. They live and breathe flooring so you can be confident you're getting honest, upfront advice. They pride themselves on their convenient shop at home service. They help customers shop for floors where they use their floors so they can see exactly what their new floors will look like in their new in their home's lighting and decor so they can make an informed decision. Um, they service their own warranties. If an issue does arise, just call Empire. They service all warranties themselves. You won't have to track down a manufacturer's phone number. So schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive, get this, a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See EmpireToday.com slash CHGO for details. $350. That's a sizable discount. It's a no great joke. deal. He's got yeah. a house. If you're, if you're, if you're yes. looking, if you're looking. Man. I mean, my, I, I've, I I've said you. that I've said this before, Mike, my landlord is, you know, we're, we're like this, you know, finger, you know, if you're, you're not watching on YouTube, like we're good friends. And, uh, <laughs> like I could, it's an, it's an old Chicago apartment. I can just go to him like, hey, man, like I can get $350 off flooring, all right? We can fix these these hardwood yeah. floors I got, turn this place into a more modern apartment. Could do that with Empire. And then uh, hopefully your rent wouldn't go up after that. Like hopefully he'd be like, yeah, he'd be so man. appreciative of yeah, that, that. I know. Yeah, I hope my rent. My, my rent <laughs> stayed the same the last two years, and that doesn't happen a lot in this city, all right? That's why me and him are close. I'm like, you giving me these oh. discounts? All right. As, as somebody who has actually used Empire to get new floors, I'll, I will vouch. There you, there you go. go. Great experience. Absolutely. So, this is why we bring listen, him on. Yeah. This is why we brought Jared. Just I was to here specifically this. for the, yeah. The whole reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, the holidays coming around and FOCO has you covered, folks. So get fitted in the best sports gear around hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads and everything in between. 
it's, you know, in our heads, it's baseball season because of the, uh, you know, hot stove, but, you know, it's football season, basketball season, hockey season. You can get it all. FOCO, uh, Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for whatever game you're going to. We got set decorations. We mention them all the time. We got the Hayden Wisniewski one. Clark the Cub. I'm we still. Never, we never did get the mash warmer. One. I, I know. I'm, I'm. I really do want the mash warmer <laughs> one. I, honestly, if we got it, I would want to take it home. I don't even want it here. I want to put that thing like on, like in my living room. Like next time someone comes over and they're like, "Who the heck is that?" Like Matt yeah. Schwarmer, baby. All right. <laughs> um. So check out Fogo.com or click the link in our description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO10 for 10% off. It's a new code CHGO10. All right, uh, so if the Boba Shut news didn't come out today, or like the rumor or whatever, if it wasn't a big thing today, I would have asked this question first thing to Greg, all right? When is Cade Horton coming to the Chicago Cubs next season, Greg? This, this would have been the first thing I asked him. <laughs> Can I give you an answer in terms of starts and not dates? Because I think, the, I think give it six starts. Give it six starts wow. in the minor leagues and, and call them up. That's maybe, um, what, a month, a month and a half? Could, yeah, like, I so. think if he, if he starts off the season, if it's a normal season, right, for him, and he starts off minor league opening day, all that good stuff, I think we might we might see him in, in, in June, July, okay. something like that. Wow, okay. The problem is, is that, like, he will have a, 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 an innings limit next year. Like, he will. He, he threw 88 innings this past year, plus the, the, um, the innings in the playoffs. And the Cubs have, have really not ever gone more than a 40-inning increase year over year for the, for the Cubs prospects. That, that doesn't really happen. So you're looking at about no more than 130 innings or so from Cade Horton next year. And then you run into the problem where, like, you want Cade Horton throwing meaningful innings in September. You want him pitching for the playoff run. So how do you handle him early on in the year? Like, you know, like where, where does that mean he gets a delayed start? And they keep him back in extended spring training for a little bit. And then they kind of start him in the minor leagues, starting in double A and triple A in June. Maybe is that, does that mean they go the route of uh, like kind of babying his, his innings early on in the season? He starts minor league opening day, but he's only going two or three innings max to start off the year. I don't know that either. It, I don't know how they handle it. That's not, I'm not smart enough to, to come up with the best answer on that, but I, I do see him coming up in terms of like six, five or six normal starts, whatever that means, or an opening day uh, assignment means he could be up in June or July. I just, I, I, he'll be pitching meaning, meaningful innings in Chicago in September of this year for sure. Wow. That's, I, I'm honestly, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little surprised by how early you said, like I was expecting something like after the all-star break, honestly, there's been a, there's been a, a transition throughout baseball over the past couple of years where if their pitchers, if, if pitching prospects have the ability there, right. If, if their, if their stuff is there, if their confidence level is there, let's not waste their bullets in, in, in the minor leagues, like, especially with, with, with pitching yeah. prospects. It's not been the case as much with hitters, obviously. But let's not waste bullets in the minor leagues with these pitchers. Call them to the bigs. We've seen that with a lot of different guys. We're like, you call them to the majors. Maybe they're not ready, we, but, but that's fine. We found out they weren't ready, and then we send them back down to AAA. That's fine with pitchers. And I think that, like, that's the case with Cade Horton. you got a guy that fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. He has four pitches that he gets chases out of the zone. He gets swings and misses in the zone. He fills up the strike zone. Um, like, he's he's good. Like, he's, he's ready. Like, he's, he's ready after after kind of a, a runway in the minor leagues up to the major leagues. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny how how quickly people went from like all all the experts hating the pick. Um, and tw- uh, two years ago when they picked him to now wanting him up already on opening day. Um, yeah. sure they've, they've scrubbed their tweets. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, my, my question for you, um, with Cade is, could we see, or would it be reasonable to do something with him? Like they, they did with Justin Steele a couple of years back, bring him up in a bullpen role, obviously multi innings, get his feet wet in the big leagues. And then, you know, send him back down, stretch him out, and bring him back up. Is that, would that make sense? Or would, in your eyes, it would just be bring him up as a starter and let him go from there? That would make sense in limiting his, his innings. Like, okay. that, that would make sense from that perspective. I, I don't, that feels like, of kind of the, the other scenarios I laid out, that feels like the, the, the third most likely scenario. Okay. It, it, he's different than Justin Steele, where, like, Steele was still trying to, like, figure it out, right? When he was coming sure. up to Chicago, like, he wasn't, he wasn't this top 20 prospect in baseball like Kate Horton was. And so like, I, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's a possibility from the standpoint of limiting innings, not from the standpoint of like, we just like, we just need him in, in, in some sort of role. Like I, I think Ben Brown is a good example of doing the Justin Steele route. I think that makes okay. more sense with Ben Brown. where like, you might see him called up in July of this year and called up to the bullpen to just help. Like to just, because he's, He's one of your best arms, not necessarily as a starter, but he's one of your best arms. Um, and then he eventually gets worked back into the rotation next year or in years years following, you know. Um, but Cade Horton, I don't know. It just it feels it feels like if you're bringing him up, like you're bringing him up to make an impact. Like you're bringing him up to to throw five innings of one run ball, you know. Um, and yeah. I think he can do that pretty soon. Jared, do you have anything related to Horton? I, you've, you've kind of touched oh. on what I was, okay. you know, <laughs> I just wanted to give you the so chance. This is like, appreciate yeah, it. this yeah. is the guy no. everyone's excited. Like we're going to yeah. be talking about like the, I just know the YouTube chat, the moment there is a bad start from someone next season, oh, yeah. the YouTube chat is going to be like, call up Horton. And it's going to be like May 11th or, or not May 11th, like April 11th. I know. So it. Yeah. we'll just After establish, we'll establish <laughs> the Kate Horton rule right now that any such comment will not be acknowledged yes. until June, <laughs> like June fifteenth. Yeah, July first. Well, and, and, and I, I want to say, go ahead. I, I think that with Cade too, like the Cubs have been pretty aggressive in their promotions of him, right? Like he started off of last year in Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. He showed that he could dominate there. He bumped up to South Bend. When he was up in South Bend, he adopted a new curveball. He he dominated there. He got bumped up to Tennessee. He adopted a new changeup, and he dominated there. You know, I, I think yeah. that like they were pretty aggressive in those promotions. So. I only say that because if the Cubs, if, if he is not the first name called up to, to fill a spot start in May, like that there, there's reason behind it. Like it's not like there's, they're like, let's, they're just babying Cade Horton. Like they're calling him up so slow. Like they, they promote him quickly. So like if, if he's not the first name that's called, that called up, if it's, if it's Ben Brown, if it's um, Hayden Wesneski who might be assigned to AAA to start off the year, if it's one of those guys, like it's fine. Like, like mm-hmm. Cade, Cade will be up. Like he doesn't need, he doesn't need yeah. to be up right away. Like it, it'll happen. You know, yeah. like I agree with you, Jared. Can we just clip that that Greg just said and just, just <laughs> no Kate Horton talking to auto reply. <laughs> Wait till June, everyone. Yeah. Uh, that said, I, you know, people who want to scream about it in the YouTube chat, like I get it. I would yeah. be you too. If I wasn't doing the show, you're more than welcome. Um, <laughs> similar question. Cause you mentioned the aggressive promotions with Kate Horton, especially obviously in his first year of pro ball. Cause he didn't play. Um, after being drafted. Um, but another guy that 
was pretty aggressively promoted was Matt Shaw, drafted this past summer and ended the season in Double A. What did you see from him? How soon can people expect Matt Shaw to potentially be impacting the big league team? Matt Shaw's wild, dude. Matt, Matt Shaw is wild. <laughs> I uh, so when he was drafted, I knew that the the, the hit tool was there, um, and I knew the athleticism was there. I was not expecting the pop that we saw from him. Mm-hmm. Granted, it, this is all in a, a pretty small sample size, right? Like he was, sure. he was, he spent some time in South Bend. He spent some time in Tennessee. It, relatively small sample size, so he's not going to continue to hit three fifty. That's not going to that's not going to happen. But <laughs> I was surprised to see the pop that we saw from him, and he and he was not only showing like pull side power, like he was showing opposite field power too. Um, something with Matt Shaw though to remember is like his swing is is not like geared for power like he, he he has power because he hits the ball hard um but he's got a super flat swing that, that's what allows him to, to limit strikeouts on high fastballs it's like his strikeout rate was really low um and that's because of his swing so he's got the pop in terms of the exit velos um i timeline for when we see him i don't know i i just i don't know what to expect with matt shaw i i I think that if we see him in 2024, we should be elated. Like any any time, wow. if we see him, if we see him in in September, like we should be thrilled with that. We shouldn't be saying, "Oh no, Matt Shaw in 2024, like this sucks. Like he's awful." Like no, like like we're we're if we're if we see him in September, I, I put it 50 50 that we see him in 2024. I think that's probably a safe a safe huh. or even less yeah. even less likely, you know. But I think you would take that, right? I, I know. I know some people are ready to see him like in again, like in the summer, in June or July, mm-hmm. but that would be a, a faster timeline than what we saw with Nico Horner. You yeah. know, like that's let, let's not get distracted by what we're seeing with the the, the angels and calling up prospects immediately, yeah. you know? Yeah. So if we see him this year, we should be super, super happy. If he contributes to the playoff run, we should be thrilled. Um, if we see him in 2025, we should still be content. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned Nico because I was going to say like, Hopefully it's not a Nico Horner 2019 scenario where he was like <laughs> they needed him to come off his couch and and yeah. go and play shortstop for them because that in a playoff race that, that would be gone badly if that's that that's means where things you're went at. badly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly exactly or um, or otherworldly good for Matt Shaw which is again something you shouldn't expect to see happen yeah. it's like that, yeah. that's icing on the cake if it does happen for sure um you know we have a few minutes left so I I want to I guess. A real quick answer from you on this, Greg. A lot of people uh, have mentioned in the comments uh, here during this segment about Matt Mervis. And I feel like we all keep forgetting about him. Admittedly, I have kind of forgot about him because I just don't think the Cubs are going into next year with, you know, relying on him to play first base. Um, What is your take on him now at this point? You know, he's a little bit of an older guy, got 100 plate appearances at the major league level last year, but then never was called back up. Um, he also obviously went back to AAA and, you know, did what he was doing down there. So he's he's got it down there. Um, how do you view him going into 2024? I view him the exact same way that I viewed him going into 2023. I, I don't know how you could look. I don't know how you could look at what he's done and think differently than you did entering 2023. Like they, the Cubs not bringing him up for that, like, stretch run in 2022 – Mm-hmm. allowed them to enter 2023 with Mervis as a total unknown with how he can contribute at the big league level. And then you called him up, you will, you signed Hosmer and Mancini and, and blocked him and did all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then you called him up and you gave him the hundred plate appearance sample size, whatever it was. 
and you sent him back down because he didn't contribute right away and you couldn't afford to have that happen. Well, now you're entering 2024 in the exact same scenario, the exact same situation where it's like, what is he? What is Matt Mervis? Um, I've, I've long been the, the, the low guy in terms of ranking Matt Mervis. I've been way lower than most fans like to see. I've been lower than I think the, the rest of, of Brian and Todd and Greg Zumak and all those guys in terms of ranking him. And I've ranked him so low. I mean, so low. I'll have him in the, in the teens this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've ranked him so low because it's, he's entirely reliant on the bat. I've, I've come on this show and I've emphasized mm-hmm. that, right? I've, I've, I've said that every chance I can because, like, he doesn't – like, even if he's an average defensive first baseman, he doesn't bring value. And, like, so a lot of times you can't wait on that more than 100 plate appearance sample size. But if you can afford to do that by bringing in – all roads lead back to Shohei. If you can bring in some really, like, great bats, then you can, like – you can hold off on Matt Mervis and maybe, like, let him work things out. I don't know. I just <laughs> – I think that, that with all those, like, first base only prospects, the Matt Mervises – the Hayden McGeary's, um, the Cubs just drafted Brian Calmer and Johnny Long last year, and fans love those two guys. It's like those are first base only prospects, and and it's so tough to rank them, and it's you're you're putting a lot of pressure on the ability to basically hit the ball out of the ball, ball ballpark. And if they don't do that, then it's like crap. Not like now what? So I don't know. I, I don't view honestly. I don't view Matt Mervis any different now than I did before. I, I think that he's a great player in AAA. Yeah. Let's see what he can fair. do in the major leagues yeah. if we can afford to do that. And if not, maybe another team values him more. I don't know. Yeah. That's fair because I yeah. feel the same. Like I, I, yeah. A lot of people are out on him, and it's like, well, he only had 100 plate appearances. Yeah. And the defense was very – honestly, I thought the defense at the beginning in the, you know, the first handful of games he played, I was actually pleasantly surprised by it. Obviously, he had some games where he had, it, was, it was not great, but then the offense was just not ever there. I mean well, – And that's yeah. – he, he would be, he falls on a, a long list of guys who come up, get their first look, and the bat's just not there. They go back down, they come back up again at some other point down the road, and they've, they've made an adjustment or they've developed in some way or there's something changes. Um, he would hardly be the first guy if he does come back up in 2024 and starts to hit. Like, yeah, there's, there's plenty of precedent from other players for that. I mean, yeah. go back Anthony and look. Rizzo. At, I was yeah. just going to say. Rizzo's he's not saying he'll be Anthony Rizzo, yeah. but that's what Anthony Rizzo did. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, he struggled with the Padres. And I mean, the same yeah. could be said for, like, Pete Carr Armstrong, right? Like, he, Trust, he obviously yeah. didn't have a, a huge opportunity to hit. Super small um, but sample he, size. Very, yeah. very small sample yeah. size. But, like, in his very small sample size, he struggled to hit. But that doesn't mean he can't ever do it like yeah. yeah. see, it, PCA it doesn't mean it won't happen go ahead go ahead that rants about pca I, I i think that pc is another circumstance where like i you should not like nobody should view Pete crow armstrong any differently than they did when he was in iowa like that that last month of the season means zero like it means zero in terms of what like how we view him moving forward because everything he did in in chicago in terms of like the things that we didn't like in the very small amount of time he was there the Swinging and missing on high fastballs. Well, that's something he did in, in AAA too. The like, can he hit changeups? That's something that we we saw in AAA too. The uh, over aggressiveness on the base pass. That's something we've seen all throughout his time in the minor leagues. Like all those things are like, if if you're out on him now, then I hope you were also out on him when he was in AAA because he was the same player. We saw the same exact thing. Now, if you if you loved him in AAA and you're like, oh, like, he's going to be a stud, and then you saw him do whatever he did in in the majors for a month. And you're like, ah, maybe not a stud. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just like, like, he is exactly, 
Like we didn't see anything different from him in the major leagues that should yeah. worry us or excite us any more than we saw in the minor leagues from PCA. Um, that's my that's my brain on him. We're talking about 19 plate appearances. He, <laughs> yeah, went, like, yeah. he went 0 for 14. Yeah. And under different circumstances, if a player goes 0 for 15 or 0 for 14 during a stretch of the season, yeah, you mention it like, hey, he's having kind of a cold stretch, but mm-hmm. it's not like some indictment on, on this guy no, as a hitter. So admittedly, yeah. I had to mute people on my Twitter account because <laughs> I, if I didn't mute them, I was going to tell them all that they're morons. Um, so <laughs> credit to me for not calling them morons. <laughs> Uh, we got a super chat from Chris Peguero. Shout out to you, man. Thanks for the always super chat. There. Always in here. 499. So when's the next Cubs happy hour? Stay I, tuned. I don't know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll ask the bosses. We haven't had one we'll, in a while. <laughs> we'll get that figured out. We'll get that figured out. But thanks for always tuning in and, and send the super chat. Uh, Greg, I know you got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. We're like five minutes over. Um, so I, I appreciate you for coming on and, and giving us some insight and all that. We got to... Read an ad yeah, first. Say we do want to tell you, like, you might want to become a diehard real quick, Greg. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, before we let you go, yeah. Uh, become a diehard, Greg. If you're not a diehard, then I don't know what you're doing. Uh, especially because I know you live downstate. And so if you want to be, you really want to be into CHGO uh, from afar, this is this is the perfect thing for you. You got podcasts and live shows every on every team every day. Uh, post-game shows, obviously. We do in-season for every team in the city. Prima written con- content from guys like Ryan and Jared at allchgo.com. And, of course, 20% off events and merch. I've At events, I've met people who have traveled to come to our events. Um, Amazing. And, you know, that just shows how much people love CHGO. And it's totally worth it because you get 20% off. Obviously, the merch is uh, 20% off. You get a free shirt when you come a, become a member um, and then obviously the discord where it is, especially in season, always wild, um, which it can be very, very fun to be in. And, you know, sometimes we have to calm yeah. some people down, but other than and, that, it's great. And, and there's one more perk that you get. One more perk, obviously. Oh, tell them about it. it it's, it's the diehard card. You just like, look at that. You, you just gotta, you can take it to the bar or take it anywhere. Just slap it down and slap it on the table. Yeah. I mean, look at this thing. Yeah, it's it's all on Stucky's tab. Obviously, this is it's like like I don't know how else to explain it. It's it's the greatest thing about it. Um, Also, Black Friday's what in two days? Yeah, because tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Yeah, Yeah. we're coming up, and we got you know the the Black Friday sale. It's the best time to get the merch from from the CHO locker when you get the Black Friday. Uh, savings on top. If you already are a diehard, you get the twenty percent off plus whatever the discount is for for Black Friday. I don't know how else to explain. I'm explaining to you like I'm five, like you're five years old. Like this is the best time to get all the merch, especially if you're a diehard. And if you're not a diehard, become a diehard, and then you can get the merch uh, even cheaper. Hell, get your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousin, get, get them all a diehard membership for Christmas or whatever holiday you're celebrating uh, over the holiday season. Is the Black Friday sale is the best time to get all the merch from CHGO. That's all I can. I'm emphasizing it as much as I possibly can. So anyway, yeah, become a diehard, guys. Do that. <laughs> all right. Uh, Greg, if I didn't scare you with my rant about why you should become a diehard, um, we hope to see you back here one day, maybe you know, going into spring training uh, yep. or something like that. But we always appreciate you coming on here and uh, giving us the insight, man. You, you do, you guys at Northside Bound do great work. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, be sure to, to tune in to the Cubs on Deck podcast all throughout the offseason. We just had an interview, dropped an interview with Cole Franklin um, that was, awesome. that's live this week. So awesome. um, he's a guy that, that uh, we talked about quite a bit is maybe he, he selected away from the Cubs in the Rule 5. We talked about why. Um, Cole Franklin's a great guy. He's a great guy. So go check out that interview with him. But thank you guys so much for, for having me on. I appreciate always coming on. Also, Brendan was on Cubs on Deck this week. So if, I know a lot we, of people we, are always... We, they always want more Brendan content. So if you want more we went Brendan live content, for, here. I think two and a half hours. So if you guys yes. want two and a half hours of, of live content, Amazing. go check out <laughs> me and Brendan. Yeah. And I bet it was like Greg talked for 10 minutes and then for two hours, it was just <laughs> Brendan talking about graphs and like, you know, Dansby Swanson fielding ground balls and Nico Horner fielding ground balls. <laughs> it was content. super nerdy. You'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, uh, so no show tomorrow because of Thanksgiving, but Corey and Brennan will have a show on Friday at 120. It won't be live, Barb. I'm sorry, but it will be on the CHO Sports It'll YouTube channel. It'll be on Barb's It'll birthday. It'll be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Barb's birthday is apparently on Friday, so happy early birthday, Oh, Barb. well, happy birthday, Godmother. All right. Uh, th- sorry we weren't able to read all the comments, uh, but, again, we always appreciate you all for being here, and it means a lot. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I know I will see you all on Monday. Um, and, uh, again, thanks for check, checking out the CHO Cubs podcast. Fly a W. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.